Hey, it's Monday. It's another week, although it just still feels like that continuous blurs day. But hey, it's a new week and it's the BBC, not that BBC. It's the Brent Broadcasting Channel back again. And uh, yeah, I've been waiting to have this conversation for a while. Uh, as you can see, my guest today is the CEO of Lola.com, Mike Volpe, uh, former C uh, CMO of HubSpot and notorious Boston sports fan. Had to put that in there. All right. So um, we're going to talk about some serious stuff, of course, because you are doing some really interesting things with Lola and, and we're going to get into that. But first things first, man. Uh, first of all, it's good to see you. Right. Good to see you. Very great to see you. Awesome to be talking with you again. And uh, and glad we're doing this. This is uh, a lot of fun. I'm glad we're doing this at this particular time. Um, yeah. Because uh, the last time we talked, and I don't know if you remember this, it was about a little over two years ago. I was up there for the inbound conference. I had a chance to to come by and see you in the, in the brand new uh, spanking offices of Lola.com. It was really cool. Great conversation. At the time, it was right before the, the start of football season. And there were all these predictions going around about who might be in the Super Bowl that year. And I think it came down to, uh, you know, the Rams and the uh, Patriots. That was the preseason pick. And it actually happened like that. And, yeah, okay, you guys won. And I don't even think we talked since then because it actually – I'm still trying to get over that loss, but you know, I'm a I, man. I give you a few months to get. I mean, it was. I mean, you know, I get it. Few, few months, few years, whatever. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but there's been another Super Bowl since then. And yeah, that's what they say. Started to happen this year or this season too. Yeah, that's what they say. Um, but yeah, so we're. I'm just so happy to have you on now. While you know the Pats are two and five, and uh, and it's good to see you. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. It's so sad. And Brady's kind of putting things together in Tampa a little bit. Um, but I'll tell you, I I don't know. I wouldn't count the Patriots totally out yet. I think any new quarterback, new system, you know, Cam Newton is a talented man, and he is a hard worker and intense. I think he had a little setback when he had to miss a game because of his positive COVID test, right? That's tough. And this season is just kind of a weird season that there's been a limited amount of times because of that whole, there was like Cam and a couple others had the positive test. So like the Pats were in two weeks, they only had like three or four practices. Like it's it, limited practice time, which hurts a new quarterback coming into the system. I, um, I'm still positive on it, but, but we'll see. It's certainly a very rough start. And um and I think Cam in this past game had flashes of brilliance, but yeah. uh, but a couple but a couple bad decisions, uh, including throwing a you know you're down by three you're in field goal range, going for the going for the touchdown and the win, but yeah. then but then you throw a pick, um, yeah. which is not the thing to do. You got to protect the football in that instance. So you know we'll we'll see we'll see. But I'm uh, I, I I hope the season ends well, and I hope we get him for next year and a couple years afterwards because I'm a big fan of his. This is this is actually this is going to probably surprise you a bit, but I'm not enjoying uh, the Patriots being two and five as much as I probably should be. That's because I'm actually a Cam fan, and 
<laughs> you prefer if Brady was here and getting old. Oh hell yeah! I mean, if attention, it was like the, <laughs> the team you love to hate. That they, that was that team, right? It's kind of it's a different team now, yeah. It's just not the same, man. I mean, I'm starting to feel more negativity towards Tampa Bay now, especially now that they got Antonio Brown. Oh, yeah, yeah I know. That's uh, yeah. So, but before and we'll get into this, but uh, I've heard from many a Boston fan that uh, or a Patriot fan that uh, they're starting to turn their gaze southward and they're starting to really get into the Tampa Bay. Have you done that or? I, I wouldn't describe myself as a Buccaneer fan, but I watch the games. I didn't watch this past weekend, but I, I watch the games. It's DVR is set, and uh, and I watch the games because it's it's interesting to see Brady and Gronk. They're, I mean, they're an interesting duo, and now you know he's got a bunch of other weapons down there. It's uh, it's interesting to see, and I'm curious about it. Okay, so sorry, Dortea. We had to do our sports thing. It's important. <laughs> we had to do this, but Dortea says hello, and then we're going to do this right now. We oh, don't yeah, want to yeah. lose well, Dortea. Yeah, yeah. We have to get the sports thing out of the way so we can go fully into the business thing, but that's this is a business conversation. That's just how we roll, Dortea. That's okay. All right. So, seriously, now, getting into to the real business talk now. Uh, it's been a little over two years since you, you took the mantle at um, Lola, right? That's right. Yeah. Uh, just over two years now. Um, yeah. So take me back to, I guess, was it April or March of this year when yeah, I mean, everything yeah, kind of shut we, down, man? We, I mean, wow. Just like the things you don't expect to happen as CEOs, like lots of things you prepare for all sorts of things. And, and this is not the thing you prepare for, but um, no, it's because we first chatted in the, when I first joined, it was like the fall of 2018. Right. At that point, we had a great product and we were about to launch into doing corporate travel. We launched, sold a few customers, sold a few more customers, hired a couple folks in sales and marketing, sold a few more, hired a couple more. And uh, throughout the course of 20, you know, so finishing up the end of 2018 in a decent spot and poised for a lot of growth, grew a ton in 2019 and just really had the business going well. Um had an aggressive growth plan for 2020. January, we're on the plan, doing great. February, we're on the plan, doing great. Um, but at that point, starting to hear from some of our friends that do more international corporate travel stuff. So we have a partnership with America Express Global Business Travel. So we're hearing from them and a few other folks that, hey, there's this thing in Asia. And you know, at that point, you're reading news about it. And it's it's one of those where you just don't know where it's going to go. Is this going to be some big global thing or, you know, SARS and MERS, there was a lot of early warning signs on those, but they kind of stayed more regionally contained, right? Mm -hmm. um, so you get into March and uh, you have like a case or two like pop up in the US and you start to look at the numbers and we're starting to see people booking less travel. We're starting to see people canceling more of their upcoming trips. And that kind of like, you know, the first couple of days, there's a little bit of that. The next couple of days is a little bit more. And then there's a little bit more. And then at the end of it, March was kind of this big transition month. But if you look at the travel volume that was that was being booked, the corporate travel through our platform, April was down 97% versus February. God. Yeah. Right, just stop right there. Did, yeah. did, you, did you imagine your wildest nightmares that it would be that dramatic? No, no. I mean, not until early to mid-March, and then you're like, okay, this is, you know, 
not, not only is this having a really big effect and, you know, and we're headquartered in Boston. So Boston and New York were two of the parts early on in the U S that were hit really hard. Right. Um, I actually took a, a train trip. I was in New York for a couple of days, like March 2nd and 3rd, took the train down, took the train back. And, um, and I remember buying at that point, it was like, no one knew masks or what, like, how do you protect yourself? No one really knew. I bought a roll of sanitizing wipes and I had those on the train. I'm like wiping down my tray. And it was like, but it was mostly like, oh, people who went to Italy got it and brought it over here, like a few of them. It wasn't like a widespread thing. At least we didn't, I think looking back, it was more widespread than we thought. But at the time, it wasn't really perceived to be a widespread thing. So, you know, um, but no, I don't think until until March, it was around March 10th or so, 8th, 7th, 8th, 9th, 10th, where the numbers started to get really bad. And it was like really clear, this is going to be a big deal. But then the big question was, is this 30 days, 60 days, 90 days or longer? Right. And back then, if you put your like no one, no one really knew back then either. Is this is going to be like, oh, we can get this contained quickly or or not and how bad it's going to be like no one really knew. So when you finally when it hits you, uh, wow, 97 percent. Uh, what what were the first thoughts or the first conversations like with your your team, your executive team and, and your employees, too? Because I know they had they had to have tons of questions. Yeah, lots of questions. I think that the only thing you can do in situations like this is um, look at all the numbers, look at all the data, have the right conversations, and just be really open with people. So we ended up, um, even though we had a lot of cash in the bank, we had raised $37 million in our last round. Um, you know, we were going from a place of a big growth trajectory. We had lots of new customers signing up, paying us for annual subscriptions, and then we're making money off of their travel bookings as well. Uh, to a place where we expected no new customers to sign up. So we're not getting those subscription payments and they're not booking travel. Um, and and early on, we really felt like that was going to be a long longer term than most people were thinking. I think a lot of people were hoping it was going to be 90, 120 days. And I think that when we looked out and sort of looked at it, talked to a few folks, we really expected this is going to be like a more meaningful, longer term hit than that. Um, so we shared all that data with the team and we, we had to do a layoff. Um, we laid off about a third of the company back in March. Uh, and the real reason there was just to extend the runway and make sure that the cash we had in the bank would last. At this point, we've got cash into 2022, which um, I think is, you know, that's a good thing, right? Uh, but we shared all those numbers with the team. We're like, this is how much we have left. This is how much we're burning. If we make these changes, here's how that changes. Here's how much longer the cash lasts. And um, and I think people understood the decisions. No one likes those decisions. No one likes to have to make those decisions and have to implement them. But I feel like it was the it was definitely the right call. And I think the way we got the whole team through it was just being open and honest with everyone about this is what's going on. This is out of our control. It is what it is. Here's the new plan. Here's what we're going to focus on. Um, and here's the changes we need to make right now. And yeah, these suck. Um, and admit to them that they suck. Um, uh, and just be open and honest and transparent with people. That's all you can really do. Yeah. yeah. Were there ever any thoughts of saying, geez, we close up shop, we're done, or we may, can we find somebody to sell to? Or, or Yeah. I mean, I don't, um, that's not really our thing. I think, you know, our founders, a guy named Paul English who started kayak and like three, four other startups. And, um, I think the two of us have a lot of resiliency. We actually have a, um, a corporate value called all quit or sorry, <laughs> all grit, no quit. Uh, mm -hmm. And it's really about the resilience 
that we have as a team. Uh, I know that startups are hard and it's never smooth. You always hit obstacles along the way, whether it's, you know, some giant company buying one of your competitors and then become coming competitive to you to, you know, pieces of your technology not working because there's some sort of change in how APIs work or how partnerships work uh, through, you know, now a global pandemic. And the only thing you know about startups is going to be big obstacles in your way that you can't anticipate. Uh, and so that resilience, I think, is really an important part of our core value of, of Lola. And I, I think it should be part of every startup. Um, so, no, it wasn't. I mean, you know, a couple of board members, a couple of investors, you know, asked that question of a, hey, are we going to be better served by, you know, taking a low price today and selling to somebody who's got, you know, half a billion or a billion dollars of cash in the bank, sell some really big player. But we really felt like we had an opportunity because we had enough cash in the bank to have, you know, couple of years of runway to really build something new. And we had been listening to our customers a lot and we had heard from them some things that we thought we could build that were outside of travel specifically, that could be something that we could sell even if no one's traveling. So that that started to get us a little bit excited and gave us kind of uh, some options of what we could do going forward. Talk a little bit more about listening to your customers and in particular, how you kind of develop the idea of this is where we need to go. This is the product that we need to build based off of how you were able to look at data and gather feedback from your customers. Yeah, I mean, we've done a bit of a pivot. That's what this is kind of leading up to. But I think what I love about the pivot that we're doing is it's it's more of an expansion. So, you know, there's always the stories about Slack and they were building a video game and now they're a chat app or there's, a, you know, Twitter, you know, used to be a podcasting platform and then has become, you know, messaging and everyone knows what Twitter is. And so um, those are very big pivots where you almost throw away the old business. We were corporate travel and we were selling to finance teams and every implementation and every customer conversation, whether it was sales or post-sales, there was a lot of questions from customers around, can Lola help me manage expense reports more easily? Do you integrate with my expense report system? How do you integrate with my expense report system? Is there any way to streamline the way, you know, the receipts from travel and getting those into my expense system? Can Lola do my expense reports? Okay. And then we had a bunch of other questions too on um, buying things and paying for things. So can I store my corporate card in Lola and my, let my whole team share it? Can, is there a corporate card that Lola has a better integration with? Does Lola have a corporate card? Like what, all sorts of questions like that. And it was one of those where hearing all those things from customers, we had done a lot of work, a lot of research into those couple areas of what's possible, what could be built today. Um, we even had like some designs, like some, some mock-ups of what the front end would look like that we could show to a couple customers to get their reaction and get their feedback. And we had kind of in our heads like an architecture of what the back end could look like but we hadn't started to build anything yet. And so we had, you know, again, I think those insights from customers were really interesting and sort of showed us that maybe there's some other stuff that we could build beyond just purely corporate travel. Um, and if we built those things in the right way, maybe there's something we could sell the companies even if nobody's traveling. Talk a little bit about not just talking to customers and gathering their feedback, but the importance of having a good relationship with customers, because let's face it, uh, a lot of instances, customers are just say, hey, "Look, we're out. We just can't do anything." You know, we we're, we're struggling over here too. But it sounds like you had enough good customer relationships that even if maybe some of them said, "Hey, we're not able to do anything right now," can you help? Maybe you could help us over here. I mean, 
talk about why was you know the importance of having solid relationships before the pandemic that helps you get through the pandemic. I think a lot of times people underestimate the human side of customer relationships and they sort of assume that if you're sending out an NPS survey and you've got a high rating there or you know folks interacting with maybe somebody in your customer service team or tech support team and that's going okay that you've got good customer relationships and to an extent that you do but i think that we had a a set of customers that were almost like we have a group of folks like on like a customer advisory board and then there's kind of even a set of customers beyond that where a few of like the executives of the company talk to those customers with some regularity. There's even a couple that I've even been to visit in person, even though we don't sell to big enterprises, like all of our accounts are sort of small. Like it doesn't, it doesn't make economic sense for me to get on a flight and spend two days to visit a customer. But I've done that because those relationships are important. And it was a lot of those customers that were willing to spend a couple hours with us, and talk through the new things we were thinking about building, give us that feedback. Um, and almost advise us um, in a big way. And so I think you're right. I think, you know, if you sell to really big companies, I think that human side of the relationship is always there because those are typically human driven sales, in-person sales. But I think a lot of times for companies that have maybe a low price point and doing a lot of e-commerce or kind of a lot of high velocity sales, they miss out on that that sort of one-to-one relationship with some executives. And certainly, you know, we had a ton of customers. It's not possible for me to know them all. But there were a handful that I knew, and there were another handful that I had a product new, and another handful that I had a sales new. Um, and so we had enough there of folks that were really willing to just kind of dig in with us and spend some one-on-one time, which was incredibly valuable. How much did you have to invest in uh, retraining, re- kind of getting your your uh, employees aligned in the new direction, being able to create this new offering, did you have to invest in new, bringing in new people or what was the mix and what, and how did you go about it? Because even having this kind of new direction, it still meant having to put some money out then in a scary time, I guess. Yeah, that's right. I mean, I think that we could have, if we wanted to not invest here, we probably could have cut further and saved more money. But again, you got to balance the sort of cost savings versus being aggressive when the time is right. We hired a couple new folks, but it's mostly been a process of training and educating the team on the new things that we're doing and getting them excited about it, which is definitely a process. I mean, we have people that signed up to join a travel company because they love travel and travel is like the number one thing for them. And uh, even though we do corporate travel, we have a lot of folks in our team that are very avid leisure travelers and you know, travel around the world and take photos and even a couple that have kind of like travel blogs and things like that, that just travel is like a major component of their life. And then you start to talk to them about, oh, hey, we're going to also build a product that's for finance people and helps them keep their teams on budget. And gets gets the dork and the finance guy inside of me excited. But right. the, the photojournalist who loves to travel around the world and take amazing photos is like, I can't take a picture of a budget. I don't, I don't get it. <laughs> um, so there's, def- there's definitely a process there. Uh, we've done it a few ways. is us talking about it, us sharing a lot of the information from those customer interviews. We've also done some customer surveys. Like we recently just finished a survey of over 600 executives that are responsible for managing budgets within their company and pointed to a lot of the pain points. I mean, of people say they use a tool separate from the finance department to track their budget. 
So there are two of them are can't be on the same page because they're using different systems like finance is NetSuite and the person who's running the budget has like Excel or Google Sheets. Um, and then 61% of them say they rarely or never agree with finance and how much they spent. So there's some real pain there. So sharing data like that with the team and kind of showing them that like there's a real opportunity here to build something cool and interesting. Um, actually putting customers live. So in our last company-wide meeting, um, I had one of our customers, one of our early alpha, uh, private alpha customers, come on and she talked about how she uses the product, what they were doing before, why what they're doing you know, now with Lola is much easier, much faster, much better. Um, so for them hearing that live from individual customers, I think is super helpful. Um, and then I've got a, an industry veteran, a woman who's been a SVP uh, level person at a couple FinTech companies before, sort of folks in this world, she's coming into our company meeting later this week. Um, and she's going to talk about from her experience, you know, why she's uh, been chatting with with Paul and I about Lola and sort of what her perception of the market is and things like that. So it's it's kind of multifaceted. You know, you hear it from the executives within the company, you hear it from customers, you hear it from data, you hear the qualitative stories, you hear from an in, outside industry expert. Um, and you just need to constantly do that stuff over and over to bring people up to speed on the new things you're doing. And how difficult was it to sell the board? I mean, this you're not only in a kind of a, a product that's struggling right now because of the pandemic, but going into a completely different area, how hard was it to get them on board? I think the good, a couple of the good news things there were one is that this was, you know, again, led from our customers. So it was more of an expansion than a complete, just, you know, tear up the business model and go do something else. Um, that was one thing. The second thing is because we'd been doing some research in this area, it wasn't a, it wasn't a totally new concept for the board. So it was something we had talked about doing at some point. The some point was going to maybe be more like 2021 instead of 2020, but it wasn't a totally foreign concept to them. So I think that that was good. Uh, and then we've got a good relationship with the board and they were super supportive. Um, there, we have a lot of experienced board members that have worked with a lot of growth companies before and a lot, you know, they're all VC investors. And so I think sometimes when you get a newer investor that maybe has less experience, um, that hasn't thing, seen things get real bad. I mean, most of these investors had lived through the 2000, you know, dot-com bust and, you know, 08 and just seen a lot of gnarly business situations. And so they weren't overly scared. They're like, this is bad. We're in travel. This is not the time to be in travel, but you know, what are we going to do about it? And so I think they had kind of cool heads about the situation uh, and that put them in a place where they could really say, yeah, this is a good thing. Go do it. Like let's invest and let's see if we can build an additional business in this area. So uh, how long did it take to go from, all right, we're, we're, we're going all in. We're going to make this new product. It was called Lola Spend. Yeah, Lola Spend. So now we have Lola Travel and Lola Spend. Yep. Great. So how long did it take you to go from, all right, we made the decision to do this, to actually getting Lola Spend ready and generally, well, it is generally available, right? It, you, you it is it. now. Yeah, we've publicly launched it now. So it went from saying, hey, we should do this to um, us and another couple customers using it in private alpha in five months which I think for a, a financial product that includes, so the product has uh, finance team sets budgets for each team. The teams can then actually dole those budgets out to other parts of their team. So if you give the CMO a million bucks for marketing, the CMO can take it and give, uh, you know, 
100K of it to her events team and 200K to the demand generation team and, you know, 50K to the PR team. And you kind of break it out and manage it that way. Um, all of the expenses are, are tracked in real time. And so anytime someone you know spends against the budget, the system updates, the person responsible for the budget is looking at the system and the finance person is looking at the system. Every employee gets a corporate card. So gone are the days of having, you know, oh, corporate cards are only for VP and above. And the reason why you did that was because people could buy a restaurant meal or pay a bar tab or whatever. Like there are no controls over those cards. We have automatic controls that are built in. So if you're the junior marketing manager and you're only supposed to be doing the Facebook budget, your card can actually be limited to 2000 bucks a month and only to, um, you know, merchants that are digital advertising merchants. So the finance team is like, oh, wait, like I get more control now than I do when people are using their personal cards and putting stuff on expense reports. That's exciting and interesting. Mm -hmm. And then we eliminate expense reports because if I'm that junior marketing manager, I'm buying my Facebook ads. I upload the receipt for Facebook ads. We know what the budget was. We know who you are. We know why that budget was authorized for you. We know what the merchant is. And so we can automatically code it into the accounting system. All you need to do is just upload the receipt. So if you buy a client lunch or something, you swipe your card, you get a mobile notification in the app, you take a picture of the receipt and you're done. There's no more expense report. You spent the company's money, not your money. So you don't need to be reimbursed. It just really streamlines everything. And so um, it's, it's a really cool and exciting product that we think brings a lot of value. So what have been the initial uh, feedback from the customers? Feedback from the customers is great. Uh, and we just launched it publicly last week. So again, it was five months to get to the point of having, you know, ourselves and a couple customers, you know, again, those kind of advisors, the ones that were most interested in, in, in sharing in this new vision, uh, using it. Um, and the reaction has been great. I mean, we've got a couple customers that very quickly adopted the platform, are using it for literally everything. All of their corporate spend has shifted over um, to be within our system um, and saving a ton of time. I mean, we've got a, a fractional CFO who works with one of our customers who just emailed in and said they're going to recommend it to all of their other clients and other companies that they work with. Uh, we've got another like... Um, uh, contract bookkeep bookkeeper who works with another one of our customers um, who just closed the books and said, wow, it was much easier to do that using Lola than using the traditional expense system that they were using. And it saved them a ton of time. So that shows she's going to start to recommend it to a bunch of our clients. And so I think, again, it's early. We just launched it a couple of days ago publicly, but the customer reception has been good. And we feel like over time that word of mouth is going to really start to spread. So what kind of goals do you have? What kind of time frames do you have to for uh, Lola Spin to, to kind of help see you guys through the current hard times? Yeah, I mean, the good news is, like I said, we were fortunate enough that we had enough cash in the bank that this isn't like, oh, we only have a few months left um, kind of thing. And so what we're hoping to see is just a lot more traction over the course of you know the rest of this year and then go into 2021 to start to drive some more growth. And then... The double win for us would be is if at some point, kind of mid 2021, corporate travel comes back and this new product is also taking off, then maybe instead of you know the pandemic kind of hitting us one way, maybe coming out of that pandemic will give us a, a you know two two different wins behind our backs to kind of propel us forward. Uh, but yeah. we'll see, even even if travel kind of comes back more slowly, which we're already seeing it come back some, but even if it comes back more slowly. I think that into into next year's where we're going to start to see some real good growth from this product. So we're excited about it. 
and do you all already have other products potentials that you're already starting to look at as another thing maybe down the line a bit to introduce yeah we've got uh, maybe not even too far down the line we've got some interesting big additions to the couple products we have now so i don't know if they'll have like their own name be like that big of a new product but Right now, all the purchasing you do through the Lola Spend platform is driven by that that Lola card, that embedded corporate card. Um, it's both a physical card and as many virtual cards as you want. So if you want like a different virtual card for each of your vendors, you can do that. Um, but I think what we're going to end up building in is in the next couple months, ways to buy things, to do procurement in other ways besides just card payments. So a lot of things can be bought by credit card today. Um, but consultants and other things usually prefer to be paid by either check or ACH wire kind of stuff. Um, you know, any larger dollar volume purchases, usually card is a little bit more of a problem because of the fees involved. Small stuff usually doesn't matter. So um, we're going to be embracing those other types of payments uh, pretty quickly. And so that's like another really big area. And then we've got some basic like accounting uh, integrations that we built. But I think there's a lot more work we can do there to do some really, really cool things. Uh, and then there's a bunch of stuff even beyond that. So it's, it's, I think, again, when you take a look at a technology company, your business is really innovation more than it is um, the product that you actually sell. Uh, and I think if, if you remember that, then it serves you well. And if you kind of forget that and think you're kind of a one product company, that's when you can get kind of sideswiped, you know, from something that happens in the market or in the, you know, the overall economy or, or whatever it is. And, you know, I, I know you spend a lot of time talking to folks from Salesforce and studying Salesforce. And I, I think Salesforce is the best case ever in terms of thinking that what they really do is innovate. And they've launched so many products over the years. It's like every couple of years they were launching something big, you know, starting with CRM and then Service Cloud and then all the stuff they've done more recently with Marketing Cloud. I know you had Adam Blitzer on recently. Like there's, they've really driven innovation over the years. And that's a, that's a company that, I've been enamored with for you know a decade plus now, and really study what I remember. Yeah, I remember us having a conversation at a Dreamforce, like I don't know how many years ago. It was at uh, one of those bars during Dreamforce, and I remember you, me, and Paul Greenberg we had a very interesting conversation back then. Yeah, yeah, see- <laughs> I, it was probably a decade ago at this point, Brent. But like. Yeah, at least eight years to 2010, 2012, somewhere in there. And uh, yeah, they've, they've done an awesome job. So I'd say every software company needs to embrace that mentality. It's about innovation, not about the particular product you have right now. Innovation and relationships, right? I mean, it sounds like what got you or what's seen you guys through is, you know, being resilient, being innovative, but also being focused on your customers and the relationships you have with them. Yeah, that's right. That's right. The combination of all of those things, for sure. It's those customer relationships, knowing like how you can serve them, but being open to innovate and offer value to them in new ways. If the landscape of the world changes, which, you know, it's definitely changed in a big way during 2020. Um, but that doesn't mean there's not challenges you can't solve for your customers. And so if you're, you know, resilient and adaptable and sort of can move quickly, it can present some opportunities. I want to pop up this question from my buddy Anand Taker. I think you probably know him as well. Uh, Mike, who did you look to for support, advice, insights during those toughest times? Great question. You know, a bunch of folks, um, uh, a lot of conversations with our board. 
a lot of conversations with two CEOs that I'm I'm tight with. One um, is the CEO of a business who has had a lot of ups and downs over the years. They are currently like way up and doing well and crushing it, but um, got to the point about four years ago that they almost, maybe five years ago now, all, like literally were one payroll cycle away from running out of cash. Um, and all, I mean, just, you know, really on the brink, they had an acquisition offer to sell the, to um, sell the company and the acquiring company backed out um, and, and, um, uh, and did the right thing and wired, you know, wired them a little bit of money as an investment to kind of tide them over for a short period of time. But that was like 60, 90 days kind of money, not, you know, not six months or 12 months kind of money. And so they kind of stretched it out. They had to make a bunch of changes, whatever. And they've gone, you know, from back then a million dollars in revenue. Now they're doing more than 10 million uh, revenue. And so um, that guy had been through a lot. Uh, and so I talked to him a bunch. And then there's um, a woman who's on our board, um, who I think you know, Brent, uh, is Gail Goodman, who was CEO oh, of yeah. Contact. Yeah, the email company for a long, long time. And she's just, she is super down to earth and just super practical. She's now on a bunch of really exciting boards. So she's on the board of Shopify. Um, so yeah, exa wow, exactly, right? So CEO of Constant Contact for a long time, took that business public, was CEO of the public company for a while, saw it through the acquisition by Endurance. Um, now she's on the board of Shopify, she's on Lola's board, and she's just you know seen it all as the CEO. And so a lot of great advice and coaching from her uh, during those times. And then I'm fortunate that I work side by side with Paul English, who's the founder, and he had you know worked at a bunch of different companies, saw you know Kayak, which was obviously a big success story, um, and had founded a couple other companies since then, and one of which had sold into it. So just a lot of experience there. So I'm, I'm really, really fortunate that I had some folks that had been through a lot of ups and downs and just seen a lot of different things where I could get some great coaching there. Hey, this has been great, man. It's great catching up and great seeing how you guys are, are making it through some tough times. Um, I also know you're still, you, do you still get involved with the angel investing? How, how is that going in this kind of? Yeah, it's, good. it's hard to have a ton of time for it, but I've done, I've done a few angel investments uh, this year, actually, even. Uh, which has been exciting, wow. and uh, yeah, no, I got, I'm, I'm, I'm still active there. It's a lot of fun. It's kind of interesting to see folks and kind of track those companies over time, see what's going on in different markets. So I even have, you know, I still have some stuff within the Martech universe, uh, mm. which is kind of fun to continue to work in and talk to everybody there. So yeah, I, I still do that. It's definitely fun and exciting. And he's still a, you know, a Patriots fan too, folks. So I, yeah, unfortunately, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I am. I am. We'll see. I mean, I grew up cheering for a Pats team that was terrible. I hope we don't go back into another, <laughs> you know, cold uh, uh, ice age uh, for Patriots fans. <laughs> uh, but, you know, we have nothing to complain about because I think Belichick has now been coaching for 21 years and we got six championships. I mean, I, you yeah. know. That's that's the best you can hope for in a whole lifetime, to be honest. Yeah, I'm not shedding any tears for you, man. I'll tell you. That. I know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Brett. Oh, it, it was it was it fun seeing Mookie Betts uh, get another World Series trophy? How about that one? It, it to be honest, it was like I think he's great. I'm a big fan, and um, 
Uh, and that that was good. And it was better that it was the Dodgers, not like the Yankees. Or <laughs> right. So, so, you know, I mean, I had the team that I hate too, but it was, no, I, I feel, I feel good for him. He's a, he's a great player and was, I mean, a great influence in uh, here in Boston and in the locker room. So it was actually, it was actually good to see him. That was, that was cool. Very cool. And where can people go to learn more about Lola Spend and, and Lola Travel? Yeah, and all so that that the website's up to date now because we launched last week. So Lola.com. Um, and, you know, we'd love to have people check it out. The pride, I forgot this, the product is free. So um, it's, it's free. I know. Yeah, right. So we make, I mean, again, because there's a corporate card embedded, we make a small amount on every transaction. Um, and that enables us to, you know, we think for the long term, have the software be free. We'll always have a free version. I think at some point we'll add some premium features and things like that. Um, but there's um, there's a great revenue model there that's good for customers and good for us. So, yeah, so it's quick and easy to get started. And uh, we'd love to talk to folks and get their feedback. Awesome. Well, we'll definitely be t- in touch and talking. I, I really hope that, uh, you know, Cam starts uh, turning around for you guys I have to admit, I, I'm a I'm a big SEC guy, so I love Cam and not college, and so I I can't root against the man. I, so I gotta. He's a I mean he's a he's a good guy. His Instagram is inspirational, and it's hard not to be a Cam fan. And I yeah, so that's maybe the one thing that we share, Brent, is we're both Cam Newton fans. Yeah, that'll be it, folks. <laughs> All right, man. Thanks again for the time, man. I really appreciate it. This has been great, and let's uh let's uh, follow up and see how things are going a little uh, down the line. Let's do it. I would love to. Thanks, Brent. Uh, 